Hello and welcome to episode five of this AFL Life. I'm Alison Smirnoff and I'm joined once again by my co-hosts, Julia Kiera. Hi. And Megan McDonald. Howdy. Hello. Hi. Now, um, apparently it takes two weeks to form a habit. <laughs> Three or four weeks to make a tradition. So uh, here's uh, no filter. Thank you. I'll just need to catch my breath because um, the athlete sitting next to me has eaten a whole can of salmon and um, <gasps> it stinks. So I just Allison. need to. Allison. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Alrighty. And coffee. <laughs> How's the combo? What? Do you want to? Do you want to kiss? Oh. <laughs> Fellas, are you listening? Okay. Um, form an orderly cue. <laughs> Don't come to footy to think about the fellas. <clears throat> Indeed. All right. Okay. So no filter this week is – I was trying to think of something. No filter. Meg's love life. Meg's love life. Do time with something and oh, that's still not I, I couldn't. I couldn't come up with a, a title for this week's no filter and it was going to be ain't nothing but the real thing and maybe that's a good one for Meg's love life. No, okay. All right. Oh, sorry. I sorry. completely cut you off. Keep going. All right, no filter this week is we are who we are. Last Friday night, the AFLW had their first Pride round between the Bulldogs and Carlton at Witten Oval. The two teams walked together through a shared banner that read, Feel proud tonight as you go out and run, but the best victory was when the yes vote was won. And it acknowledged that the players exist both in the footy world but the wider Australian community. Earlier in the week, the Bulldogs had produced a short video of one of their out players, Hannah Scott, talking about the importance of being accepted by her family and by her footy club. And she spoke of finding out that you can't truly be who you are unless you are truthful about all of you. She wrote on her Twitter feed, Super proud to belong to the Western Bulldogs Football Club. 12 years ago I came out and you fight to belong. Some people fight their entire lives. I know I am where I'm meant to be. The Pride Round symbolised that AFRW players should feel free to be who they really are with regards to their sexuality and that their club supported them in that. It represented a new era of not asking players to hide their private selves from the footy world, but instead to come out and be the same person on the field as off it. AFLW players needn't hide parts of themselves in the shadows anymore, but step fully out into the light. But there is a cost to being fully seen. Despite marriage equality now in our laws, the era of hiding, denial and don't ask, don't tell style policies and practices is fresh history. Sport and footy itself has often asked players to check certain parts of themselves at the gate and simply be an uncomplicated footy player on the park. The treatment of Adam Good springs to mind. He, a proud Indigenous man who brought his entire passionate self onto the field, faced boos, bullying and admonishment from certain sections of the footy public who wanted him to simply play footy without the politics, as they put it. But to me, it speaks to this strange expectation that the football field is a separate place to the rest of reality. That on the field, we don't have a sexuality, we don't have a race, we don't have any baggage or history. That what we do on the field exists in its own space with its own rules, morals and etiquette, and there is no crossover between worlds. If you doubt what I'm saying, picture yourself in the grandstand during a game and recall the types of things your fellow punters would yell at the umpires, the players and the opposition. I suspect the same punters would never say those things to someone in everyday life outside the ground but we have all bought into this strange split reality. This paradox is unacceptable to me. Last week, our friend Emma Race spoke on the Outer Sanctum about how female footy fans have been asked to forget about the mistreatment of our gender in order to just enjoy the game. And this is a tangential companion piece to that insightful assessment. A number of years ago, I was running water for the Falcons Reserves team at AHCAP. I saw a serial pest of an opposition player fell one of our younger, slighter players 
and our player lay motionless on the ground. Furious, I yelled at our runner to fetch the trainer. She asked me what had happened, and I said, that effing C whacked it. And I didn't say effing C, I said the real words, and I didn't say it, I yelled it. I yelled it with a venomous rage in earshot of the opposition's bench. I squashed this memory down somewhere out of sight. I think I was the president of the club at the time, and if not president, then secretary. And the memory fills me with shame and embarrassment. It's behaviour and language I bore in anyone, let alone myself, and let alone when I hold such a position. And the memory fills me with the discomfort that comes with the realisation that within me sits a white hot rage simmering very close to the surface. That rage can be misogynist at times and it can be ugly. But just because the truth makes me uncomfortable doesn't mean it stops being true. That is me. I am that person. I benefited from there being few witnesses to that incident, but I've chosen to expose it here because I'm certainly far from perfect and I hope what I say next is heard with that understanding. The reason I bring this memory up is because at the weekend I watched a few examples of behaviour on the football field that is generally accepted, that's placated as white line fever or bending the rules or in the spirit of the game or good-natured ribbing. But these behaviours made me feel uncomfortable, embarrassed for the players who engage in them and overall disappointed. At Witten Oval in the second quarter, the Bulldogs were 30 points up. Lauren Arnell attempted to kick across Carlton's defensive goal to a teammate. The ball was chopped off by Bulldogs vice-captain Ellie Blackburn, who ran into an open goal. Blackburn then veered over to Arnell and gave her the double thumbs up and a pat on the back. Later in the game in the other pocket, Carlton's Kate Sheila attempted to spot Emma Carney's mark, resulting in both players on the ground. Carney was awarded a free kick, but first got up and stood over Sheila and shouted at her. What she shouted shouted the commentators could only speculate. Both of these instances from the Bulldogs 2017 joint best and fairest winners seemed particularly uncalled for considering how far in front the Bulldogs were at each stage. The following day in Alice Springs in the first quarter Collingwood's Lauren Tessariero dropped a mark on the wig. Melbourne's Meg Downey took possession and Tessariero then grabbed her throat as she tackled her and pushed her head and shoulders into the ground off the ball. Towards the end of the second quarter Melbourne's Bianca Jacobson kicked down the wing and the same Collingwood player flattened her to the ground well after she had got the kick away. Tessariero received a reprimand for the second act. In round three, I mentioned two players had been reported and suspended, the same two players who had also been one of the few reported and suspended in AFLW Year 1, Sophie Casey and Dana Cox. The four incidents that led to these suspensions all appear, at least to me, as ugly and avoidable. All these moments were mere seconds, but they can appear defining to the crowd and the wider community. For the most part, AFLW players don't have the luxury of earning a generous living away from their football careers. Many players are school teachers or police women or work in footy development or for their own AFLW clubs in various roles. Regardless and for whatever reason, many AFLW players are engaged in work with members of the public and where their personal reputation as moral citizens is important in their day-to-day employment. On Monday morning, after these very public acts occur on the footy field, many of these players walk into their jobs with their employers, their students, clients and colleagues, all being privy to their behaviour on field, in the same way that is common practice for prospective employers to check an applicant's social media presence, one might also assume that ugly on-field football instances will follow players throughout their careers. Female footballers have relished the opportunity that footy gives them on field of being fiercely competitive, aggressive, passionate athletes. But in the same way that footy can bring out the best and often stifled parts of us, it can bring out the worst, 
And the exposure and media surrounding AFLW means that that ugliness is recorded, rewound, replayed, debated and denounced en masse. White line fever and the sanctity of the game have allowed players and punters the luxury of separating the on-field ugliness with the off-field reality. But that time for female players on the AFL stage is over. Is it unfair that female footballers are held to a higher account than their male counterparts? Yes. But it's not the first or the last time that women need to be better than men to succeed. The complicating factor of asking the footy world to see and accept the whole of you means that the spotlight is now shining on everything you do on field. AFLW players have said that there are parts of themselves that they do not wish to hide, but simultaneously this means that all parts are now visible and there is nowhere to hide. Passionate split-second moments on field, brain fades, adrenaline surges, bad decisions are on view for all to see. As Buffy and Spider-Man will tell you, with great power comes great responsibility and I fear some AFLW players will learn the hard way on a grand stage. That's, um, yeah, that's interesting, Julia. I, I like, no, you make a very good point about um, the male AFL players in that if they get reported, they have to appear at the tribunal, yes, they have to run the media gauntlet, but they, are, they do get absorbed into the bubble of their club. Mm. They don't actually have to teach a class or (laughs) (laughs) arrest someone, arrest someone or revive someone or, you know, yeah, it's, it's really interesting contrast that that I've never really thought about it in that way. Yeah. I could talk for hours about the subject of white line fever and what happens on the field and off the field. Cause I, and I actually can't draw a conclusion about it. I'm not entirely sure what I feel about I guess you called it the sanctity of the game and, and whether you're a completely different person or not or whether you have license to do things that you wouldn't do, you know, outside the white lines. I, I just, I really don't know. But I I love your point about the sort of off-field, on-field, that it, that it comes together in a pride match and then within that very match for those things to have been brought back up, I suppose. I guess back to, firstly, back to what you were saying, Alison, and the comparison to the men's game. I actually wrote down when you were saying that are they held to a higher account, a higher standard than, than the men? You think because they have different jobs, is that what you're saying or you just think? I guess because I'm calling them out. I feel like I'm asking more of uh, female footballers than I ask of male footballers. But it is because of because of that we are still in this kind of groundbreaking stage where all these girls are role models now and like every single girl is a role model or put on that stage and um, I guess I feel like it's not the same in men's footy. You know, there's so many more of them. They don't, yeah. And do you think they have a responsibility to behave a certain way then? Um, well, I guess it's well, a broad I, question. What I responsibility? I personally do think that. Yes. If I was an administrator or I made the rules, would I argue that? Maybe not. But that's my personal belief. And I guess because... Yeah, because those those moments really do stand out to me on the field and they make me kind of cringe. And I, I almost didn't put in the Ellie Blackburn thing because I felt like it wasn't really much. Like she really just kind of pulled her thumbs up and maybe some people wouldn't interpret that poorly or just think it was a bit funny or something. But it really did kind of stand out to me as, oh, that's really off colour. So people I know that I'm a bit more sensitive about that type of stuff. Yeah, and... I mean, there was even a little bit of talk around the game when when Brooke turned back on one of her goals. Oh, yeah. And they thought that was something to – I didn't really have an issue with that one at all. And the Ellie stuff, I find it really hard because I I don't – I feel like you become more yourself on the football field. Mm. And I 
I, I get torn because I think, you know, the things that frustrate, you know, you try and achieve this freedom on the field, mm. but the things that frustrate me about the way I am, I, mm-hmm. I can see the same things stopping me on the field as do, as they do in everyday life. And I think it's part of who I am as a, as a, as a person. Mm. Um, and then by the same token, you know, I think you can see traits of people's personality as far as I know them come out on the football field. Mm. I, you know, cite our good friend Darcy a lot. She's a very creative person. She goes out on the field. She's a creative football player. She's got flair. Or and I'll speak about another Falcon, like Elise O'Day, accountant, <laughs> very organized. But she gets to each contest with the same consistency. She makes a habit of it. And I, th- I, know, I could go on about players that I know and I feel like, oh, that's how you play footy. Like that, I see the connection between how you are off the field and how you are on the field. I'm just waiting for your description of Asta. I stopped short of Asta. <laughs> she was like, I'll, I'll stop there. Um, so I don't know, the kind of I'm a different person on there or I don't have control over what I'm doing out there is problematic to me because I, uh, I've never experienced that. I've experienced, not in football, but um, in other sport being, you know, what they call in the zone and feeling like that sort of feeling. But I don't think it's the same as just, you know, anything goes. Well, that was my, that was my next question. You two have played a lot more football than I have. Is there such a thing as white line fever or is it just a line that's used as an excuse to cover up poor behaviour? Well, yes. I think it is a line yeah, used to excuse poor behaviour, but it's something that lots of people have kind of bought into. And there there are – I know what you're saying, Megan, that, some, that players kind of play like their personalities, but in the same way, in the same breath, I, I can think of particular players who are kind of meek and mild off-field, but on-field are absolutely ferocious. And there's something about when they step on the field that something else kicks in. And they do just not quite look like themselves in terms of how aggressive they are, how ferocious they are. They are. They don't um, set back from step back from things. They're totally in there the whole time. And then you talk to them after the game, and they're quite quiet. <laughs> yeah, and I should say that I think I like I would like to have more of it in in me personally in my football. That kind of like not a switch, but that that sort of aggression um, that. Well, I look at the, a lot of the players that we're that we're speaking about are some of the best players in the game, mm. and oh, their yeah. ability to go out there and and just be competitive beasts, I suppose. I'm sure it contributes to how they. It's like sports psychology. It contributes to how mm. good you are. Yeah, I don't think it has to manifest itself in you know sticking your thumbs up in someone's face. But that's no judgment on Ellie. That's just I can't imagine doing it myself. Is that, you know, I don't know what elements of these things have to be in you already for them to then come out on the field. Mm. I I was kind of reluctant to pull out particular examples because we mostly try to keep things quite positive on the podcast in terms of talking about players in a positive light um, because we know that there are other media outlets out there that are happy to tear them to shreds. But I felt like I couldn't make my point unless I pulled them out. And that's why I kind of told that story about myself. Because I know that, you know, in football, your emotions are there. You're just, you're just sitting so close to the surface that, that those things can really pop out. And, and I don't presume that um, that in everyday life, those the same players do the, the same thing, you know, at a, um, you know, when someone's... Oh, I'm sure they don't. Uh, 
you know, road raging behind them or something, you know. <laughs> but there is something about the football field that that allows that behaviour or that, that that says it's okay. And, and, and I just feel like in, in this environment now, you get known for those things. Like I'm thinking now of, of Sarah Darcy and what happened in, in round one with the, 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 the kick and she was um, reported and she missed two weeks. And, and I remember watching that going, Oh, and so many God. people that have spoken about it said, oh, it's so out of character. It's so out of character. It's so out of character for her. You know, I don't know her personally, but I played on her, you know, quite a few times and she's just sweet as pie. And so, she, yeah, she <laughs> and so when I saw that, I was like, oh, you know, is that something she tr- tried to do something else and it kind of went wrong or was that intended or is it just the moment? And But now that's attached to her name and – knowing that she's so lovely and now it's attached to it. Like, I just think that this is, you know, I've spoken before about how AFLW is a harsh reality for these girls and this is a whole other part of it, I think. Yeah, as you say, it's on a stage and and people are getting to know you as a sports person. Yeah, and it's totally magnified. Like, in I've read Sam Lane's book and in the Daisy chapter, Daisy talks about how, you know, going to Melbourne and then having to play with a lot of people that she used to play against she was shocked by what her their perception of her was. Because, yeah, you just meet on the footy field and, and it's that particular environment and then you meet in real life and people expect certain things of you. And that was just kind of going from local footy to AFLW and now it's it's on the biggest stage. It's just, you know, it's the crowd watching from watching from the boundary, watching from TV. Like we've got no idea what, you know, a little niggle might have happened here or the other person said something in your ear there. But all if we just see these defining moments and then, the, um, yeah, and, the, and they define you. They, they can define you and, and, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's interesting. As far as I understand it, in the men's game in AFL, they are quite free with their <laughs> sledging. Mm, yeah. And then it's completely understood that off-field – different whole different thing mm. I don't know that that's happened in the women's yet you sort of hear what people say on field mm. and you form an idea of their character and it's just not as clear-cut the white line it yeah. would seem to me so I don't know and then you know we've got so many people coming from different sports and each sport has its own sort of code of behavior code mm. of conduct um, and what's expected and what's not so I don't know I guess I I grew up I suppose, predominantly playing tennis. Now, the idea of speaking to my opponent during a match is, like, ridiculous. You know, I would never – it doesn't happen, really. Could you Could you imagine if there was sledging <laughs> at tennis? There was that one. So, there was an infinite, infamous one when I was – so, I was playing under 12 nationals and, sorry, like, 128 people play in the nationals, so don't get excited. And so, one, <laughs> one girl at change of ends looks at another girl and says – what are you looking at? You're so ugly. You need a complete makeover. (laughs) Very PG and very 11 years old. But everyone knew that this thing happened. (laughs) And it was like the only instance of someone talking to someone. It doesn't happen. But if you're coming from, I don't know, if you're coming from cricket, where apparently the sledge is strong. Oh, yeah. That's how you perform. That's part of your on-field psychology. So I don't know. There's a definitive answer. Definitive answer. Fascinating. There's a guy that used to play for Carlton who he once said to me that he used to love it if his opponent whacked him, especially early in a game, because that would fire him up and he would play well. <laughs> yeah, my old tennis coach used to pick an argument with her family, whoever, before the game, just to you know, 
just to get going. So who and who knows? I'm going to give it a go later. <laughs> and even the sledging, like I personally feel like there's some things you can talk about, but there's some things you can't. And and that's just in my head, like and whether you know, because I always thought you know if you said something like oh get a kick. Oh, totally fine because oh, it's within the, the game. Yeah, is that the first time you've touched it today? That kind of stuff was fine. But if someone called you like fat or something like that, then that was totally not not fine. Not but fine. But totally fine is, in the men's game, apparently. Right. I think. Yeah, apparently there are things that you can and can't say. And as you said, it kind of comes into this idea that when you walk out onto the footy field, everyone's equal to begin the match. Yeah. So I understand you talk about things within the match. Things outside of that maybe don't address. You know, they say, oh, you can't speak about someone's partner, kids, family. Does that extend at race? Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Look, once we were – I don't think I was playing. Maybe I was just watching this game where Katie Brennan was lining up for a goal and other opposition were trying to, you know, distract her or put her off. And sometimes, you know, the person on the mark yells or whatever, but someone just kept screaming, nutrition! At her. <laughs> Healthy living! And it was – it was pretty funny. <laughs> Hilarious. I don't know. I find the I, hardest things just distracting things. I was, someone asked me my birthday when I was I was lining up for goals. She was standing in the mic. She's like, when's your birthday? And I just lost it. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. But I've never had someone call me anything derogatory. So who knows? Give it a go sometime. Well, yeah. In my very short football career, I found that I was quite silent and I would have opponents that would talk to me and I'd just be like, shut up. Shut up. I don't, I'm not engaging with you. I always spoke. Asta tried to talk to an opponent for me last season. <laughs> I was playing on her and I thought it was going all right. And Asta tried to get in her ear about how it was going. And I was like, no, no, no. I've got her right where I want her, I think. Please do not fire her up. What? <laughs> Maybe someone should look into the study of sports psychology. It doesn't sound like anyone's done that yet. I don't think anyone's done anything. No work one's tried to work it out. No, no definitely not. Anyway, no right and wrong. I don't think the three of us can decide what's right and wrong, but it's an interesting dynamic, certainly when it's part-time. Well, interesting round of footy started on Friday night, the Pride game between the Western Bulldogs and Carlton. Western Bulldogs just kicked a record score and beat Carlton by a record margin of 73 points. Can the boys. (laughs) Take pride in that. (laughs) Big shout out to Brooke Lachlan, just a lazy seven goals, <laughs> just uh, smashing the goal kicking record in a game as well. Well, she met the record in one quarter, in yes. the second quarter, and then just. That's so funny. I didn't rate Brooke. I thought she was average. I don't know if anyone listened to the podcast last week. Do you oh, know what we could do? Let's just look. play a snippet of it. <laughs> I don't believe I said anything out loud to you negate, had, oh, but I, I may have had a look on my face, but this is I a podcast. Brooke Lachlan <laughs> is headed for all Australian. <laughs> and I raised my eyebrows We were quizzically. We were all on board with you, Meg. Come on. You know what? It was a great game for the podcast. I said that to you two at the end. Mm. We had some opinions about the game, how they'd line up, Mm. validated. Look, it just looked like one team, even though we know not everything's going right for the Bulldogs in terms of their injuries, but it looked like everything was going right for them on on field. And kind of nothing really was going right for Carlton. And, you know, they didn't score for the first half. Lauren Arnell, who we spoke about last week and why she should be in the team, I feel proof that. <laughs> you know, she kicked a, their whole score. She kicked the number on her back, 13. 
<laughs> she kicked. She got uh, a, I thought she and got she an got early 13 clearance. disposals. Oh, did so, she? Yeah. So she like got an early clearance as, as well that I thought, well, there you go. Yeah. And if you Straight look, away. Yeah. And if you look at the second goal she kicks, it's in the last three seconds of the third quarter. And she literally, for whatever reason, the Bulldogs decide not to mark her. It's a throw in. Moody just taps it down oh, her throat. Oh, no, I'm going to have to correct you on that one. Oh, okay. Kate Sheila taps it straight oh, down she? her throat. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Hey, Sheila. <laughs> yeah, they didn't man her up, though. What She was like, she was standing directly in front of her mm. with her hands out, like Oliver. Yes, please. Yeah, oh, yes, I'll please. I'll have a goal. <laughs> yeah. Straight into it, kicks a goal, and then the siren goes straight away. So, look, good to see Loz back in the team. But, oi. Oh, the blues. <laughs> the blues, give me the blues. Completely. It's, it's hard to know... <sighs> Which way to go with speaking about – is it just the Bulldogs are that good? I mean, we've oh gosh, we've spoken extensively about the Carlton woes and it seems to be a narrative for the whole AFLW season, their sort of – their tactics and um, the challenges that they've faced as a team. But, gosh, <laughs> it didn't go very well. No, and, and it kind of seems now like that, that memo was written directly to them um, almost and, and – I know what you're saying, but I'm I'm also like that's nice that you have been identified as a defensive team, and mm. maybe that's the way you're being coached or not. But it's not working. It's no, not like it's not working. It's not like you know. Oh well, we can cop the AFL's criticism because we're winning. They're not winning anymore. No, and the, on Friday night, they you know uh, Katie Lawrence was a late out, and she had previously I would say been their most um, productive. Midfielder Hardiman was uh, possibly a laid out, or you know, wasn't in through illness. No Taylor Harris, you know, Bree Davy, no Georgia G, or, or Braz, Br- Brazil, yeah. Bree Davy were already know. So they're really quite deep into their list, yeah. And so playing this kind of full team defence, that zony thing they like to do when you're zony thing. Well, I just don't <laughs> like. I'm not going to call it a zone because it's a zony thing. I just they're not nailing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, so you know they're quite deep into their list. They're playing a lot of you know younger girls or inexperienced girls or players that might not quite be at full fitness. And you know full team defense and and you get the highest score kicked against you. Like that's not. That's not supposed to happen. I just they got they got abs- they got completely taught a lesson in ball movement. Really, yeah. the Bulldogs were able to find space all over the ground. They knew where where each other were going to be. And you want to talk about you know coaching and, and system and different you know de- help. No matter how deep you're batting in your, in your team, because they're also missing Katie Brennan and they're also missing Huntington, Huntington. Bannister. You know, they're missing people. Now, you could argue that Carlton are missing four of their top five. I don't know. You know, you could say that's the the cream of the crop are missing from Carlton in that game. So, both both teams have injuries, certainly. But the Bulldogs across the board seem to know their role and execute their role. Especially that, you know, we've spoken a lot about that kicking game. And whatever work they've put into foot skills over the summer is still continues to pay off um, and girls are getting into the right positions and, and in space and it's just, look, it seems all too easy. I take your point, Megan, that it seems like the Bulldogs game plan can be done and, and is understood by the whole list. And I feel like the Carlton game plan, when you take out key players can't who be execute done, it, who yeah. execute it. You take out Davey and Hardman from the, from the back Completely. line. Completely. Then it can't be done. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's got massive holes in it. And, 
And look, Carlton, <laughs> I joked at the weekend that I, that I reckon switching the ball is the new down the line because I just feel like Carlton, switch, when they've got the ball in the back line, they switch it every time. They switch it every single time. And, you know, Lauren Arnell was, um, uh, you know, highlighted for trying to switch the ball twice and it not coming off. But I'd argue that they're so predictable with that switch that it's almost like no one even leads down the line. Like the idea of the switch is that you open up the fat side of the ground, you cr- you, you find where the space is, but because they're so predictable, it, it's there is no space. The- yeah, I spoke about last week about eventually having to look in board and hit someone in the corridor. But, we know, we, I think because it's so much is made out of it being a defensive game plan and then these key people missing from their defence – you kind of have to say, well, it's not like you can just let it go into defence and then we'll execute our game plan. Yeah, yeah. What's happening in the middle of the field? They just look like, like they got shown up. They've got no no doubt the talent is there. Yeah. You know, the Hosking twins are talented. You know, they've recruited talented girls, but they're not especially experienced girls when you hold them up against Emma Carney, Ellie Blackburn, Lammy, Asta. That's, I mean, that's their starting midfield. And... I'll get to this point in the Melbourne Collingwood game, but these girls have played at the top level in exhibition games at the highest possible football level for females for For years. Mm. For years, and they each bring something different. I don't know that you can't say the same about Carlton's midfield, however talented it is, especially if if you are leaving Lozanel out of the team, if you're leaving Bree Davey out of it. And with Katie Lyons. Katie Lyons not there. So you're looking at the Hosking twins, Maddie Gay's in there a fair bit. Um, Sophie Lee, all these girls are, you know, talented footballers, but do they know what to do to win an AFLW match under pressure, find space, hit targets no matter what? It wouldn't It wouldn't seem so at the moment. No, I just don't think they've got the right balance across the list um, in terms of where's the experience and where are the, you know, they, they move mountains to get Taylor Harris and, and Nick Stevens, but they're not, they're not putting them in the midfield. Um <laughs> And there is that, you know, they need more polish in their midfield. Completely. And, and they don't they don't have it. So, they, yeah. And Not look, everyone can have the same role in the midfield. You- no, no, that's right. And I just don't think they have the balance of it. And especially, you know, the, I think Moody's been doing an excellent job. But I do think Alison Downey is an excellent ruck. And they're playing her in defence because they obviously have need for her there. But it just means that they're missing her further up the ground. Um, and, and at the stoppages around the ground. So, I don't know. It's a it's a problem. But we could turn this into the Carlton show. But I think um, we might have already. But I just think it's interesting when, you know, you speak about the talent at either end and certainly – and then, they you know, they moved Nick Stevens in front of the footy. And I'm thinking, great. Nick Stevens is a great player. I like, you, you know, moving your great players around the field. But putting her in front of the ball is not going to fix your, your forward 50 entries because your forward 50 entries – are not going so well. They're not going to the advantage of your forwards into space, clear movement, all that sort of thing. Yeah, and their forward entries are often kind of really rushed kicks that are kind of almost sky balls. Like they have to, the forward has to, often Darcy has to try and take a specky. Yeah, or crash and packs, and they they would you know they were trying to do packs. it, but it, it's too yeah, it just wasn't working. And you got to get and people front and centre to those as well, which it didn't look like. They had too much of that happening. So we've got a standing call to put your best footy players, get your hands, get their hands on the ball. I don't know that that's going to happen in their forward line at the moment. But look, the Bulldogs, they look pretty hard to beat. Like when they're on. Look incredibly they, hard they, to beat. Um, they look on and, and look, Carney had 26 disposals. 
She, she is having everywhere. an incredible season. Yeah. She's and having a better season than last season. She oh, won yeah. Best and Fairest. Utri um, oh. just got one of the rising stars this week. She's amazing. Oh, Utri's so good. She's so good. And um, Conti, and got Conti the other. as well got the other one. We, you know, we thought she should have got it last week and she got it this week. So, got talent to burn. And that Libby Birch, oi. She, she looked like she, she was well. really annoying that Darcy. <laughs> In the good, in the best possible way. I love defenders. Libby, you didn't <laughs> we all love job. defenders. But you know what I like about Libby's game is she will run out. It, look, it seems at the moment that she's backing herself to read the flight of the ball and not just not just shut someone down and be reactive. She looks like she's got a bit of confidence about how she's how she's spoiling, I guess. The next game was on Saturday afternoon, Slogfest number one. Brisbane defeated Frio by seven points. I think I said last week that I was noticing these funny little pairs pop up and I can't decide whether this week's pair are the two absolute Slogfest because of the horrendous rain or the two records broken in Brook Lachlan's seven goals and Eb Marinoff's 21 tackles. So a pair of pairs. That's a pair fine. of pairs for this week because mm. one is great and the other is poo-poo. <laughs> Thoughts on the game? Well, look, you could <laughs> – wait with the footy, mate. Like at the end of the first quarter, they both scored a point. <laughs> but not for lack of endeavour. And the, and the skills weren't bad, but it's so hard to score in those conditions. Jess Wooshner just shows that those conditions are made for a player like her. She's so smart. The, both of them, she just didn't get sucked. She just stayed goal side. She didn't get sucked in and just waited for it to come out the back to just toe poke it over the line. And that's what you, you've got yeah. to do in games like that. Taking our opportunities for sure. I think two things, my takeaways from the game. Ground balls, very hard in the wet, oh. but so many girls having to come to almost a complete stop to pick it up. Now, it's not easy, but certainly once again, those those girls that are doing it and taking the ball at speed and backing that, that it, it's a skill. I really rate it more and more each week, one-handed or not. And then the second, do you know who the um, – Who's leading the competition for hitouts? Who, Meg? I think you know because I said to you before the podcast I started. I <laughs> think it's Talia Randall. Yeah. Right. Do you know how tall she is? She is three centimetres shorter than you. <laughs> That's not how I was going to put it on the podcast. That's how I put it. It's not about me, Alison. <laughs> Didn't I tell you that? No, she's 173 centimetres, I think, which is by no means rough. You're 176 centimetres. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> ish. No, the point of that is to say that she's key position, yes, but traditional ruck size, no. So super impressive what she's been able to do and then she becomes like an extra midfielder. Mm. I don't know how much she's impacting around the ground, but she's so talented and she's freeing Sabs up to do her thing up forward. Yeah. So just great coaching, I reckon, putting her in the middle. Yeah. Well, she was down back last year and the, the season that Kate Luckins is having – She's not needed down there either. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I've said it before, but Brisbane just have such a beautiful spread of contributors. Their top four disposal getters are Wooshner, Lutkins, Anderson and Stanton in that game. I haven't mentioned Bates yet. I haven't mentioned Zilke. haven't mentioned Ashmore or Exxon, like who all then had great games as well. They're, they've got so many girls getting their hands on the ball and they're, they're even around the ground. They're not really relying on anyone to do to one thing. And I, I think, you know, it looks, you know, at this stage like they're going to be there in that final game. But, yeah, it's, it still feels very open. But watching Brisbane, I'm like, maybe 
maybe just one position in the grand finals open. Mm. Frio are improving each week, but someone else whose season is just building and building, I think, is Cara Donnellan. She kind of had a bit of a quiet start to the year, but she has just become that midfield general that we know. It's tough for Freo. That's a long trip, and they would have felt really close in that game. They were really close, and to cop those kind of um, conditions, it's tough. I mean, they're two and they're sitting with two other teams at two and two, still really in it. But wow, who knows what's going to happen next? We've learned it's not even worth speculating. No. <laughs> Over in Alice Springs, Collingwood got their first win of the year over Melbourne by 34 points in the end. Now, we all watched this together. (laughs) I joked last week that if Melbourne's week-long road trip resulted in two losses, that no other club would ever do it again. And... I said it off the cuff, but then I think that any other AFLW team <laughs> who's looking to uh, book a eight-night, you know, trip away might second guess it. They just, apart from the first quarter, Melbourne just didn't look on, and Collingwood looked sharp. Their ball use yeah. was good. They deprive Melbourne sometimes of the ball, just hitting up targets, and. You know, lots of those experienced players just just shone. Like Bernardi, we talked about the week before, how she hadn't quite t- taken advantage of her opportunity. So maybe the free, the week they played Freya, but she looked on. Well, it's interesting that you say that because what struck me watching the game was the experience in the Collingwood team. So, and I yeah. actually thought Steph Kiochi, I can't. I'm not sure if it was before the game or if it was reflecting on the game. She was speaking about um, how they were approaching the week, considering they were zero and three. And she said, well, we're here because we know how to play footy. Mm. And they had to remind themselves of that. And then I looked at the list and, and how they were playing and the spread of players across the ground. And I'm thinking, Kiochi, uh, Jamie Lambert, Tessarero, Bernardi, Hope, King, Garner, Darcy, Seabom, uh, Hutchins, Barden, Benici, Duffin. They have played, like I was saying before, at the highest level possible for years. So they're tried and true footballers who just they got it together on that game when they knew how to get the job done. Now, Melbourne, obviously, there's experience there. There's some of the most experience right in the middle. It just looked at either end not as much or at least they've got these young, talented kids, fantastic, and these cross-coders who are talent to burn – but can you get it done under pressure like that? Mm. I think that's where experience sort of comes out on top. Yeah. And Collingwood, Collingwood's pressure around the footy was oh, yeah. immense. Like they just hassled Melbourne out of it every contest. Yeah. And, and you know, lots of it has been made of Melbourne's midfield. But Collingwood were winning them, winning it around the stoppages. And they, I don't know, like it, they looked like a different team. They really did. They looked confident. They were totally moving the ball swiftly. They were doing this. They kept splitting the Melbourne defenders. You know, there's quite a few goals that they just run in. They just run into goal because they've managed to split defenders. It looks so um, similar to Friday night's game to me. Yeah. And you talk about a pair. Mm. Brooke Lachlan's getting over the back. Yeah. They There were a couple of goals where Collingwood got out the back and they looked to use the whole ground and the space. I was just... Really impressed. And I guess the other thing that I wanted to say was huge game from Jazzy Garner in defense. Mm. Now, she's mm. made a name for herself as an as a super key position forward. And we have spoken about Collingwood moving players around the ground. And it looked in the first couple of weeks like maybe a few too many were playing out, mm. out of position. 
So they've gone, they've returned to, you know, they've put Mo deep forward and all the other stuff, but they've put Jazzy in defence and she she drove them out of there so well. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't help but think, I, I love that. I love, you know, it was Perko the, the week before. You've got a super talented footballer, yes, known as a forward. Put them behind the ball, get their hands on the ball, get them in the game and trust them to make a difference. I just, I thought it was great. Yeah. Well, I wonder who else could do that. I've, <laughs> I've given my opinion on who else will do that. Should, could, would. But um, Collingwood also just seemed to have done their homework. You know, Britt Benici did a great job on on Daisy and won the footy for herself. Um, there were times where I saw Kyochi go to Paxman and I was like, mm-hmm. I yeah, actually have it, written here, did their homework. Because yeah. every time... Every time that um, Rocky went to don't argue someone, mm. she was getting caught. Yeah. Every time Pax went for a run or looked for that, you know, long kick, there was someone on her. Yeah. Seabomb doing that kind of negative role on Alicia Newman just can match her for pace and just didn't let her, you know, she she never had any time, Alicia Newman, that, that day. Yeah. I don't, just, you know, Wayne Seatman was on a lot of pressure the week before and I just feel like he just outcoached that day. He it, Well, to me, it... it no, that's taking it away from the players. But I did feel like that it was incredibly well coached, the Collingwood side. And I'm not sure if, in retrospect, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, not playing Wallace Pierce from, from Melbourne's point of view up against Emma King. You know, she looked – I think that was probably the best game I've seen her play. Oh, she um, looked fantastic. Taking marks around the ground and up against, I guess, more inexperienced opposition. Yeah, uh, I don't know. They look good, and 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 it's that thing of have Collingwood left their run too late again this year because I, I just looked at them and thought, if you play like that, you could beat anyone. Yeah, I'm really excited to see those two teams that moved the ball really well that had an even spread of contributors play each other this week mm. in Maui. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I also just wanted to say I thought that Wayne Seekman's post match interview with Sam Lane on the coverage oh, was gorgeous. <laughs> Was just it was just really like it was just really honest and refreshing, but just like all class and yeah. like he's been under immense pressure and he just referenced that you know he was fine, but it was like really tough week for his friends and his family and yeah he just it was beautiful. It was real, and he answered the questions. You know, yeah, he actually answered the questions as they as they were and didn't sugarcoat things and yeah. I, I don't know. Look, Melbourne would be super disappointed to come home from that road trip with what I presume they would have thought would be winnable games against Frio and Collingwood. And since they kind of left Melbourne, the state of the competition has totally changed. First yeah. mistake, <laughs> game's winnable. Yeah. yeah. Don't leave town. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tough for Melbourne. Week-long trip away. Two losses, disappointing, and coming back for Friday night game. So we'll see how they turn up. Okay, the last game of the round, Slogfest number two. GWS v Adelaide, it was a freaking draw. <laughs> and do you know what? The whole game I was watching it going, this is going to be a draw. This is going to oh, be yeah. a draw. Like yeah, it exactly. just had that feeling about it. Oh, good. Before I forget, though, Meg, what you were saying before about ground balls in the wet, Chelsea Randall, like mm. I know we, we do love Chelsea Randall on this podcast, but mm. she was amazing. Like she handled the ball so well in those conditions. Yeah. And the look, Jess Delpos. Shout, shout out to Jess Delpos. I just hey, watch watching her, her little kicks off the ground, her yep. body work. She just, I just felt like I was watching her. Um, the one percenters. Yeah, the one percenters. She was 
I, d- you- I agree because, you know, so much was made of Alicia Eva's game and there's yeah. such a similar body shape mm. um, and great game by Eva. Yeah. And she racked, I think, quite a lot of possessions. But maybe bias comes in. I just thought Dow had, had a had a great one. Yeah. And GWS looked like, unlike when they played Carlton in similar conditions, they had a team this time that could, the, the conditions were meant, made for. You know, Tully was able to play the whole game. Yeah. Chorus Staunton. Staunton. Jeepers, that, the Irish weather. Jeez. No, but she looked so dangerous. That goal that she kicks is amazing. But every time she got the ball, she just, you can tell why she is, you know, the queen of Gaelic football. She's won everything in Gaelic football under the sun. Because it didn't seem to slow her down at all. Speaking of ball handling in the wet, <laughs> how about that gather left foot goal from the pocket by Ruth Wallace? Great goal. Amazing. Now, I have to say that at the end of the game, you know, I, I look at the stats and I, you know, pick out anything of interest. And I was shocked that a particular player did not give away a free kick. Pepper Be- Randall. Yes. <laughs> You know, credit to her. The week before, you know, Libby Birch, who we know is a great lockdown player, had four goals kicked on her. Or the week before or two weeks before. And Pepper, you know, plays on plays on Erin Phillips. If you just watch her the whole game, Pepper Randall the whole game, she looks like she's giving her a hug the whole time. But she doesn't give away free. I don't know how she manages to do it. I don't know. <laughs> I was so impressed with Pep's game. I really was because she, speaking about playing on the edge of what's legal on a footy field, Pep can push that sometimes as a defender. To then play on Aaron Phillips uh, and, as you say, not give away one and, and, and like really lock her out of the yeah. game. You know, it was a huge game from Pep. But look, was it a week ago or two weeks ago, you know, Eb Marinoff's Tackle uh, record had been taken from her, and what did she decide to do? 21. Just a lazy 21. She just tackles it back. Um, it was good to see Angela Foley back, and um, she, you know, racked up 20 disposals, was was Adelaide's highest disposal getter. And, you know, I, I talked about reports <laughs> and um, at the, in the no filter, and apart from all the negative stuff that, that comes from, you know, doing something on the field that you regret – Missing a game, um, your team your team misses you so much, and and she she put in a great performance on the weekend. Is that how many games have been washed out at that venue now? Um, all of them, exactly. I think last year as well. Just don't play there. Summer sports still, or like serious question: weather extremes. Is it love it? You love it? Oh, I know you love it. One of them. I love one end of the yeah. extreme. Yeah. I think we should just play all the games at had and it's an indoor sport now. Yeah. No Victorian advantage there at all. <laughs> so now it is time for Meg's Would You Rather. Would You Rather. Still yet to have any suggestions, so my job gets harder each week. <laughs> Thanks, uh, everyone. I should actually do the, a Twitter call out on a Wednesday well, afternoon. I think it's because most of the juicy stuff is so not PC <laughs> at all or nothing that you could say without alienating someone in the AFLW space. So, mm, fair enough. And we love us, not Which fighters. is, that's not, as I said out at the beginning, that is not the point of the segment. Alrighty. Speaking of alienation, <laughs> would you rather, question one, would you rather be the security guard that stopped Sue Alberti <laughs> at the front entrance or Brooke Lachlan's direct opponent? <laughs> Which Friday night villain would you rather be? <laughs> Gee, that's really – that's a tough one. That's a lose-lose, let's be honest. 
and that is not. I'm just going to say it. I have no idea who Brooke Lachlan's direct opponent <laughs> on the night exactly. was. I'm sure you know who you are. I'd suggest that either would be getting a week's holiday this week. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to go Brooke Lachlan's opponent. Maybe it's one and the same person. I mean, it's just maybe. Left the field <laughs> completely unattended and gone hard on the defence. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you're not on the list. Yeah, wouldn't want to be the security guard, that's for sure. Nah. But what I did enjoy was receiving a text message from my mother with a picture from um, one of the papers with Sue Alberti crying. But it's a picture from Sue Alberti crying on, at grand, the, final on grand final day. You and can she, say the Herald Sun. It was okay. the Herald Sun. <laughs> and my mum's just sent the picture to me saying, what's happening, Julia? I'm like, I don't know. Um, you're being emotionally manipulated by the paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, any answers? Uh, Brooke I'd Lachlan's go security opponent. Guard. I'm security guard. I'm the opponent. Yeah. Security guard's actually effectively doing their job. <laughs> I'm <Ouch>. not. <laughs> you're not? I'm not. What is? Oh, because you haven't given an answer. <laughs> no, because I'm Brooke Lachlan's opponent. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. Sorry, you're not. <laughs> no. Good luck running against Brookie, though. She's done really well. Yeah. And whoever Brooke Lachlan's opponent was made me look like a genius. So, yeah. Many thanks. Brooke Lachlan's opponent. She's a left footer. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? Kate Tindall's. That's where I was going wrong. We were sitting with Kate Tindall. She turns to me and she says, What I can't stand about Brooke Lachlan is that she's made the hardest position on the ground look like the easiest, that high half forward. Um, And I said, Yeah, but Brooke Lachlan makes it from high half forward to forward pocket goal square in about two seconds flat. So. Don't worry about it. All right, question two. So we've spoken a little bit about how um, Melbourne spent a week away. Now, I'm sure that would be tough for a few people. So would you rather go into a game having spent 24-7 nonstop with your team or not having seen your team at all for a week? So full on or no practice straight in? No, no practice straight in. Really? One of those? Yep. Treat him mean. <laughs> uh, I, I, I need L time, so I would definitely be just straight in. I love team bonding. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I would definitely spend 24-7. But by s- <laughs> certainly I think it's, it would be tough. You'd have to set some ground rules. You'd have to choose your roommate wisely. Mm. Um, well, that's good to know. Even if I were on your teams, you'd still both say... Okay, don't answer that. That's just, fine. Just give us the chance to miss you, Meg. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I know. I'm on the text. All right. I'm the most social of the team. There we go. I love footy, bonding. So, we've spoken about the draw. Yes. I had a housemate put it to me today that competition's too short to have a non-result and effectively both teams are close to out of it now. So, would you rather draw or golden point in AFLW? Oh, draw. Like, don't stop tinkering. It's fun. I oh, I kind of love Golden Point. The drama, the drama. Like as if AFLW, everyone's going to be playing team defense. <laughs> yeah. As if AFLW isn't dramatic enough. Um, but Golden Point just adds this whole other. Nah, actually, no nah, draw. No, no, no. Now that I've said it out loud, draw. Because you're right. Stop tinkering with it. And the draw is it is what it is. It's a like, true. It's yeah. a true reflection result of the game. in AFL. It's a yeah. true yeah. result. Footy God has she spoken? Yeah, you get your two points. Yeah. yeah, it's better than no points. Yeah, if you're battling out for to be in the top two instead of the bottom two, you're loving those two points. Yeah, that's right. All right, so final. Would you rather for this week? We had um, some record breakers: twenty-one tackles to Noffy. Would you rather 
record breaking 21 tackles or being first to the football? <laughs> wow. Wackity whack. Whoa. No, oh. I love you. <laughs> I love you, Noffy. I. I'm not even sure if Alison's going to keep that on, but I would like to say that I think 21 tackles. Noffy got 21 disposals the previous week. I think she's a jet. I just no, uh, we love Noffy. Ah, uh, so good. Um, but also sometimes it's a strategy, especially in those conditions, that you allow the opponent to get the ball and then tackle them, especially if it's not a clean possession. But anyway, yes. I actually had a backup, would you rather? <laughs> so I was like, that's not a real question. <laughs> uh, Noffy, if I was around the ball 21 times, even in, within a metre of the ball 21 times, I'd be crying of happiness. So respect. No, she's record broken 21 tackles. Which stat would you rather hold the record in? It's not an either or for some oh, reason. It's just open slather. Open of the like sort of go-to stats, the ones that are available on the little scroll. Um which one do you want to be dominating in? I want to dominate contested marks. No, that's mine! <laughs> God damn it! But they're gold. They're gold. They yeah. so satisfying to land. Yes. Well, we've all gone it. Yeah, I'm- I was going to say contested mark for sure. Yeah. I'm into that and I think Sabs is leading at the moment. Good on you, yeah, Sabs. Yeah, she's on 10. A hundred percent goal efficiency or whatever that is, goal percentage would be great too. Yeah, but I guess you just need one to go through you need to actually get the ball first, though, don't you? With a contested mark. With a contested mark. Yeah, that's true. And there's no sort of I got one, therefore I can convert one, therefore I've got a hundred percent like contested marks. You just got to accumulate them. Um, that's would you rather for this week? We would rather there be less. Wet weather games next weekend. (laughs) Just going to put that request in. (laughs) Now they're all going to rain. That brings us to round five. We're getting down to the business end of the second AFLW season. It kicks off on Friday night out at the lovely Gacy Fields. Melbourne take on Brisbane. This is going to be a huge game. Do you remember the last time these two matched up down there? Yes. (laughs) A few lightning strikes. Yep. Yeah, big matchup. What are we, round five? Every game, every game's always like a final, but now it really is like a final. Yeah. It's going to be hard to make it if you go two and three, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Three and two, still in it. Either they both come out three and two, or Brizzy has one foot in the granny and Melbourne's fighting lost it out with the, the last rest. three. Yeah. To state the obvious, Melbourne have to win. The following day, Frio take on GWS over at Fremantle Oval. So Frio's. Had a couple of wins at home. We've spoken about how hard they are to play in Perth slash Fremantle. Similar locations, I know that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But GWS have already proved this year that they are perfectly capable of getting a win on the road. So, look, I don't think, I don't know that the location is going to affect it too much. I look forward to seeing five GWS supporters there, maybe. That's a real clash kind of a purple and orange type of crowd. That's an interesting mm. interesting look. But I don't know. GWS, I just feel like the circumstances of a lot of GWS games means we're not seeing the best of them. You know, they've played two games now in really crappy weather. So I hope that Perth puts on a beautiful, sunny 21-degree day <laughs> and they get to, to play the type of footy we know they can play. But... Fremantle's, you know, they, they didn't go down by much to Brisbane, so I think this, this will be a really tight game. Saturday night at Norwood Oval, Adelaide take on Carlton. 
That'll be the first Carlton game I haven't seen live, so. Oh, yeah. How are you going to cope, Meg? Are you a good luck charm or? (laughs) I don't think I am. (laughs) I think it was a particularly painful match for Carlton last year. I think it probably still stings what happened when they, they went over there and was that sort of the end of their... No, uh, they went in. That was that first loss? They went in on beating well. yeah. to that game, and I think it was Aaron Phillips's huge, huge goal from outside goal. fifty. Yeah. yeah, and they and they really beat up on Carlton. I remember, you know, there's still footage that goes around of of that sort of thing happening. So I think Carlton will certainly be prepared for the physicality of the game. We'll see how prepared they are to get some direct ball into their forward line. Mm. <laughs> no. Something's got to change, Carlton. Please, please, just for your loyal. Blues supporters, I'm not very loyal, but um, <laughs> want to see. Uh, it'll be good to see Loinsy back. Definitely missed her last week, and but you know Adelaide, I think Adelaide's a disappointment. Um, in not you know everyone kind of ruling them out of defending their flag. I really think that's weighing weighing on them. You know the the disappointment on the girls' faces. Courtney Cramey at the end of that yeah. DWS game. Yeah. So look, whilst everyone's still in it. I think that's how that's how the teams will play. But, but particularly for teams that have lost mm. two, yeah, you, yeah, you're not it's making it if you don't win from now on. You yeah. have to win the last three. So yeah. once again, one team will be out of it by the end. I you think, yes. Yes. mathematically or, or otherwise. And the final game of the round, the two teams that uh, probably performed the best last week, Collingwood and the Bulldogs, they play at Ted Summerton Recreational Reserve in Maui. On Sunday afternoon. Moet. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Maybe. <laughs> Due. <laughs> yeah, well, ho- I hope this is a cracking game based on last week's performances. Um, but it might not be because of life. Um, <laughs> as I think we said before, could potential be the best ball movement game we've seen this year. Yeah. If both teams execute the way they did the previous weekend. Yeah. So hopefully Maui's going to get a good show. First game in AFLW game in Gippsland. So, yeah. Is there anyone left to put their hand up for a rising star norm at Bulldogs? <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually, no? Actually, oh, how old's um, Ferris? Oh, probably in with a shot. How, how young do you have to I be? I think under 21. And also it's a... You kind of played too much last year. Mm. Mm. Then again, though, Libby Birch got one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. 1997. She's under 21. Who else do we think might get it anywhere else? I don't know, but it's certainly saying something that they've had so many nominations and they're top of the ladder. You know what I mean? And so, you know, with that rebuilding young pups narrative, the other teams that have supposedly drafted for the here and now, yeah. Bulldogs are getting the best of both, both worlds at the moment. So mm. balance is uh, strong. Yeah. I think it helps when you have a game plan that players understand and can execute. But anyway, that's by the by. Yeah. It's the can execute that's mm. tough. Because mm. no doubt Bulldogs had a game plan they understood last year. Being able to execute it's different. Mm. Final thoughts? Final thought is I cannot believe we are over the halfway mark. Oh, Amazing. Know. It's slightly devastating, depressing. Yeah. I have, I have enjoyed our time together, though, guys. <laughs> it's been... Well, considering the grand final will be four weeks, four weeks. Julia said on one spot having been taken by Brisbane, I think this one spot in the grand is already taken by the Bulldogs. Um, and, you know, ultimately we learnt that we don't tip and um, who the f- knows what's going to happen. <laughs> 
We know nothing. <laughs> but thank you for listening to us once again. If you want to connect with us, throw us some would you rathers. Give us a shout out on Instagram or Twitter at This AFL Life. And please visit us on iTunes and subscribe or give us a review and a rating. That's you, Mum. I know you listen. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>